2: I don't want to like, I'm not going to argue with you on your own podcast too much. Do, I just, <laughs> do it, please. Uh, <laughs> it will get us more listeners.
0: You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to The Dig. I'm Nick. I'm joined by Jeremy. Good times in Nuggets land, Jeremy.
1: Yep, we are... Uh... Currently on the longest winning streak in the active winning streak in the NBA right now.
0: It was the Raptors, but <laughs> not now. That so, was such a good game. Oh, best game of the year. That's the biggest win they've had in I don't know. Since the mellow days, probably.
1: They they looked like a championship team. They they looked like the type of ball that you that you watch. Not just, you know, uh, they could beat a team 140 to to 80 and that's impressive. Sure. But just the type of ball that we saw them playing where they were tested, how they responded, uh, the different ebbs and flow of the game. It was, it, it was like, it was like when the nuggets used to go to the playoffs and lose, it was like what the other team that beat them looked like. So I'm excited. Very excited.
0: So we had wins over the T wolves, blazers, magic, Raptors, thunder Lakers. It's been a good stretch. Uh, close wins on the road in four games against good teams Um, so all positive you know Nuggets land is is excited about what we're seeing Uh, going into tonight's game they are first in the West but there might be a little bit of cause for concern they haven't been the strongest fourth quarter team through this stretch even though they've been hanging on to these wins
1: mm-hmm yeah, I think if you go even further back than that, during their 9-1 stretch to start the season off, there were signs that maybe they weren't quite a 9-1 team. But then during their, what was it, 1-6 stretch? Um, right. There were signs that they weren't as bad as a 1-6 team. Um, and a lot of that came down to the final minutes. So, so we had that where they lost a couple of really close games where they played really well for almost the entire game. And now during this stretch that we've just seen since our last show, uh, they've been able to convert a couple of those. But I think it was really that Toronto game where, to me, it was it wasn't just them going up high. So, so th- their mo as a team, as any fan knows, is is they will try and get as many points scored as possible because they're just going to start leaking them in the fourth quarter, um, mostly at the end of the fourth quarter. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but. The Nuggets aren't known as the team that that comes back at the end of the game, who's down all game and then somehow comes back at the end. They're the exact opposite, right?
0: We haven't seen it much, yeah. And these, you know, three really cl- close wins on the road. We had one hundred three, one hundred one over the T Wolves. Uh, the Blazers game was one thirteen, one twelve. Raptors game one hundred six, one hundred three. All of them, you know, the Nuggets were beneficiaries of some. Pretty fortunate uh, calls or a big turnover. They got to a loose ball. Um, they get credit for those for those plays, but you know those games easily go go the other way, and they're really bad losses because in all three of those games they had big leads in the first half.
1: Right. So it it gets me wondering, and it's gained a lot of people talking about how do they how do they nail down the fourth quarter, and, and to be specific, those last few minutes. Uh, and, and so I was trying to think, well, what really is the symptom and what really is the problem? And as far as the symptom goes, a lot of people are pointing fingers at, at Jokic's mentality. Uh, he doesn't have that killer instinct or, or the drive. Um, I, I used to be more on the boat of his endurance. I, I kind of connected a line between how poorly he plays in back-to-backs with how poorly he, he performs in the fourth quarter. And I thought a lot of that probably had to do with his endurance. And I still think that could go up. Um, And a lot of people have even questioned, well, is Jokic really the guy that we should be looking at? What about Gary Harris or Jamal Murray?
0: I mean, Gary Harris is the one that stands out to me as somebody who generally makes big plays in the fourth quarter, especially in the last two or three minutes. Uh, It doesn't seem like he very often makes mistakes, but he he will come up with a big steal like he did in the Portland game or a a big shot in the final two minutes. Um, but I mean, I think, yeah, Jokic, you know, definitely has a tendency to fade, but I'm, I, I do wonder how much of it's Jokic, how much of it is other guys trying to play hero ball. I don't know.
1: So I, I think there's another reason behind that, behind what we're calling Jokic fading. Um, and as much as this is the modern NBA and it's played differently these days, I, I don't think the way that games are being closed out is that different from the way things have always been. Um, it, it winds up coming down to, if you're the team with the lead, you give it to to your wing player or your guard who can control it well, get a shot when he needs it, or more importantly, I think, get to the line. And and that's where I started seeing connecting some dots because I thought, I thought Jamal Murray would probably end up the most improved player this, this year for the Nuggets. And I thought a lot of it had to do with him getting more free throws. I started realizing the more I was thinking about fourth quarters and thinking about Jamal Murray is that I think those two things are connected. I think Jamal Murray can really take over in the last few minutes um because the truth is everybody wants to see jokic back down that guy and prove physically that that he's better than the other player but in the last few minutes is it more likely that seven foot jokic is going to get a call when he does a shot attempt that is uh highly contested or is it more likely that jamal murray draws the foul when he's going to the
0: hoop or taking the shot. Yeah. See the problem with what I worry about with Murray, with what you're describing is I don't know that I trust Murray right now when he gets double teamed or triple teamed as he drives into the lane to make the right decision.
1: You're Um, right. And so, and so that's, that's, I guess what, what I'm, what I'm asking myself and, and everybody else is uh, he's not going to get there. If he doesn't have the chance to develop, He, he will not. And that's not something you can recreate in practice. Or in one-on-one drills. There's no coach in the entire world you can hire that can do that for you. That comes down to executing in the game when the moment matters with your team. And right now we're seeing Jokic is still important, don't get me wrong. Um, Not that he's necessarily a a decoy. If if they're able to get to a point where um, between Jokic and Murray, the playmaking is a little bit more fluid, but that Murray is much more aggressive in that situation, um, and, and if their goal is to get to the line, if their goal is to have Murray get a good shot off or get to the line, to me that reminds me a lot if, if we're talking about, if we're still going with the idea that the last few minutes of a game is not so much modern NBA but old school NBA. It reminds me of, of Duncan um, on the Spurs and uh, Parker. And, and Duncan was a guy that could dominate during a game, but, but actually when it came down to the last few minutes – a lot of those games came down to Parker taking the shots and and going to the line. And I think we have a very similar situation where um, it's a different type of ball and it would be somewhat new to the Nuggets. And the way Murray's been playing, it's a scary situation to put that much um, trust in him to for them to execute that way. But I would love to see an adjustment where at the end of the game, we see Murray intentionally getting into the line more often and i i'm not the coach to to put the Xs and Os together to make that happen but i see i see you know 30 years of basketball um behind me of of this happening and and nothing's very different today and and i want to see that out of uh murray
0: yeah i mean the thing is the you know the the refs swallow the whistle a lot in the end of games too um and i am actually okay with that to be honest i i do kind of like seeing it decided on the court so i i'm wondering if you know, giving it to a guy thinking that he might he might be the one who's more likely to be able to draw a foul is really the best way to go. I mean, I, I guess what I'm thinking of is I just want the ball in the hands of the person I trust the most at the end of a game to make a good decision. To get somebody an open shot or to get themselves an open shot. Right now, to me, that's Jokic. And he might not be insisting on getting the ball in the last two minutes. And maybe that's part of the problem. And and often when he's getting the ball in the last two minutes, he's shooting a three. Um, what I would like to see is Jokic at the elbow, posting up, force a double team and make the right pass. I think he's so dangerous down there, but I I just I, I'm having a hard time thinking so me, about when the last time you know everybody goes ISO you, in these in these last few plays you know and it's it's like the LeBron James James Harden model where you know your best player is going to get the ball at half court and just dribble out the clock while everybody else spreads the floor but that's not how the Nuggets play so I don't know why I don't think we need that uh, Murray to be that guy I think we just need to play Nuggets ball. So um, I, th- I,
1: think you're, I think your Nuggets ball, I think you're talking about a very beautiful 46 minutes. And we, we keep seeing these last two minutes of the game. And my, my vision, my image in my mind of Jokic in the last two minutes is not what you just described. Him in the post, drawing a double team, finding the open man. My, my image, and this isn't, this isn't projecting to the future. This is, this is literally what we see happen game after game is Jokic with his hands up because a foul wasn't called on him while the opposing team sprints down the other side of the court because they just stole the ball or did something or or ruined his shot it's it's a bad light to see Jokic in it, and, and I think a bad use of him and I think the ceiling of this team is not one with Jokic owning those last 2 minutes through through a post up
0: Yeah but see I the problem in the last 2 minutes is not that Jokic has the ball and he doesn't he doesn't score that's that's not the problem the problem he doesn't get the ball or when he does get the ball he's shooting a three um what they're doing that's not working is in the last couple of minutes it's just guys playing one-on-one That that's what I've been seeing is just Murray has the ball or Harris has the ball or Jokic has the ball and there's you know wherever whenever they get a, a, a an inch of daylight they just shoot a three it so seems you, like it's a lot of that so you're saying
1: and, you're saying that they're playing Jokic ball the first 46 minutes and that's not Jokic Ball that's failing in the last two, it's the fact that they stopped playing Jokic Ball in the last two.
0: That's been my impression. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I saw I saw something beautiful in the Toronto game during those last couple of minutes where we were playing with a lead and we were getting to the line. And part of that was Jokic. Um, he, he was fouled on the outside, throwing up one of his threes. And um actually it was me. Now I'm confusing that, that chuck up that actually made it that wasn't in <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah because that was it, on wasn't the floor, but... it wasn't a shooting foul. Because it wasn't a shooting foul, right? That's why he only got two. But, but it was getting to the line, and that, that's what clicked for me is I realized how important it is and how little we actually see of when we play with the lead in the last few minutes So what you are getting to the line.
0: So the problem, what, what you're saying the problem is with relying on Jokic in the last two minutes is that he can't get to the line. And you think you need a guy who can drive to the hoop and force a foul,
1: and I'm trying to take a step back. I'm trying to say, what's the ceiling for the different scenarios of us getting to the line? What's the best situation that our team can grow into? Not that we can't just create tomorrow because it's easiest. And to me, the highest ceiling is the best free throw shooter on our team, who is also one of the best in the entire NBA, who is a, a small guy who should be getting to the line because fouls are just called on them more often, who historically, when you look at who closes out the last two minutes of games... Again, even you look at the Spurs, it wasn't Duncan. It was it, 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 if Duncan had a role, it was um, either by putting pressure on a side or by by taking
0: um, like a ten footer or something like that.
1: It was never yeah, him posting it inside.
0: Some of that is because Duncan was a terrible free throw shooter, so they didn't want him having the ball in the last ter- couple of minutes because, because if he got, shooter. he was atrocious. He was like fifty five percent.
1: But but so if you go if you go down that path with the Nuggets, then you are saying. Because Jokic is a better free throw shooter than Duncan, yeah, we should explore this. And, and yeah, but
0: it's okay to have for him to have the ball. Yeah,
1: for me, for me, that's a lower ceiling, and I don't and I don't want to go there. I I I feel like we've been trying to go there, and it hasn't been working. And and why even push that if the ceiling's lower?
0: Yeah, I guess. Um... This is just something to watch as we go forward, I guess, because I think we have different impressions of how the last two minutes are are going. Um, and without going back and actually watching the right. you know breaking down the play by play, who's getting the ball when, uh, it's just something I'll I'll take note of moving forward, and we'll see right, what's enough. working and, and what's not working. But yeah, because I I really don't my problem is I I we'll go the last two three minutes and I'm yelling at my TV going why has Jokic not touched the ball in five possessions. Like I'm, but I you seem to think that it's that he has the ball, but he's getting like people are getting physical with him or something, and so he's losing it or he's not making the right play,
1: and then doesn't even want it. it okay. It, and, and and it's the closer you are to the basket when the other team gets the ball back, whether it's a steal or a, a missed shot or something like that, the closer that your shooter is or the last person holding the ball the worse it is for your transition defense. Because the deeper your player just got, the harder it is for him to make it back. In the case of Jokic, he's a powder. We see we see it happen. He doesn't get calls and he's the slowest guy. So for that guy to be our, our two-minute king, I, I'm i a little bit uh, leery of that. I, w- I want my two-minute king to be a guy farther back, quicker, who honestly is more mentally disciplined for it. And our guy who is that also happens to be one of the best free-throw
0: shooters in the NBA. So that's well, why I see are that Well, Are you saying Murray is that guy now?
1: Um, yeah. I. Yeah. So so he's got deficiencies. His playmaking is going to be the biggest challenge at this point. And it is going to be hard. We are going to be seeing him cough up the ball. But, uh, but this is where I say go explore this path because there's a, a lot stronger potential there and I think we could I could think we could reach that faster and higher than than anything else
0: Yeah, I would be more comfortable at this if Murray was showing me the ability to make decision make the right decision about whether to shoot or to pass the first three quarters of the game um, which he consistently doesn't show he, it really does seem like Murray just no, he he is either going to pass or he's going to shoot and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have yet the ability, it doesn't seem like, to go into the paint looking to score, and when that sh- closes down, find the open guy. Well, he's still, work-
1: he's still work- working within the fundamentals of the, the, the Jokic-principled offense that they play in. And, and that's, where, that's where I see things needing to change a little bit because all I see is that faltering after three years in the last two minutes. Of of these games, and and so as much as I'm excited for what Jokic brings and the Jokic ball that we get to play, which does feel new and fresh, it doesn't. Yeah, seem but to be they're not the playing Jokic
0: minutes. ball in the last three minutes. That's the point. Right. I, they're I not, think they're, they're, just they're not even doing to, it right, the,
1: the, because they can't because it's falling apart. And 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 so that's that's where we differ here. Is I think they're not playing Jokic ball in the last two minutes because they can't. We will see. I, I hope I hope that we see more of Jamal Murray um, taking it on and, and find his way to the foul line. I, I hope to see that. I hope that becomes an aim. And I think that is our, our our best way to take that next step forward and to be a playoff team. To be a championship team, on, honestly. Awards. All right, welcome in everybody to our uh, quarterly year awards. Uh, we're going to break down some of the best moments, uh, some of the best players, uh, and we have to join us this time none other than Brendan Boat uh, of the Denver Stiffs. So, welcome, Brendan. Glad you could join us. Yeah, thanks for having
2: me, guys. Stoked to be on the on the dig. Easily the most, I think, fun of our pod. Like we have a bunch of different podcasts on our network. But you guys keep it loose, so I'm, I'm excited to hang. We do do
1: that. Uh, I, I have to say, personally, I really uh, had fun, it, keyword on your last one, um, when you, you were talking with TJ about just kind of coming up in the, I don't know what you want to call it, like the news scene, the the Nuggets news yeah, scene. the blog. And it just, to- right, exactly. And it just totally brought me back to um, me and, and a few friends did some um, hustled our way up on the Denver music scene, and I just it totally brought me back to my old moments of like, you know, ending up in this green room or something like that to get that angle. Oh, thanks, man. I'm happy to hear. It. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that too for local team coverage. I can't think there's a, another podcast that's doing what you're doing, Brennan. So, uh, props to you and and the great work you're doing on Full Court Press. I appreciate it, guys. It means a lot.
1: Okay, so let's kick this off with uh. Of course, the, the greatest award that there is, who has been the uh, most valuable player, the MVP of the Nuggets for the first quarter, Brennan?
2: Oh, it's got to be Nikola Jokic, right? I mean, it's not just sort of what we see from him statistically. The assists weigh up to seven and a half per game. His points per game are up a little bit, although he's been less efficient from the field. It's the turnaround on the defensive end. It's the way that this team is really playing Jokic ball whether he's asserting himself as a scorer or not, even his bad games, seven, eight assists. So he has not been maybe like the dominant quarter uh, figure in the fourth quarter that we'd like to see, but he's the heart of this team. And if the Nuggets are playing well, it's usually because Nicole is playing well.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you bring up uh, the defensive rise that he's had this season. I mean, if he was purely um, um, appreciated off of his defense alone, Right now in real plus minus, defensive real plus minus, he's ranked at 17th. So, you know, how many players in a league who look at themselves as defensive players are fighting just to be able to call themselves in the top 20 in defensive real plus minus? And of course, we know that is, um, far far from what Jokic actually does best. So, uh, really incredible what he's been able to put together. What about you, Nick?
0: Yeah, we're all of one mind on this one. I had Jokic also. He's eighth in player impact estimate at the moment. Um, and I also noted when I was preparing for, for this, that his defense really is the key. I think it's interesting that we've all, we've all jumped on that because Jokic isn't really known. Well, clearly he's not known for defense coming into this year. That was a big question mark is if they're going to improve defensively, what are they going to do about Jokic? And we got to cover for Jokic and Millsap was brought in, uh, largely to do that. Um, what he's known for is is assists. He's known for these ridiculous passes that he makes. He's known known for being a center that can hit threes, and yet we're seeing great defense um, out of him so far this year. Uh, and it, and it's kind of going under the radar. I you know even from the like the national media, pretty much what we hear about Jokic has to do with his with his passing and his playmaking ability. I, I don't know that even like nationally it's really caught on yet how well he's playing defensively. I don't know <laughs> if he's shaking that rap yet. Um yeah. but I think that's really what makes him the MVP to me is that if Jokic wasn't all in on playing defense, I don't know that the team is as a whole is playing the defense they are right now.
1: They're like uh national media is like uh Canada and how they're always like 10 years behind everything. Like they're just catching on to how Jokic can throw a good pass. <laughs> where everybody in Denver has known that since Summer League when he first started playing in a Nuggets jersey. Um yeah, it's funny that that nobody's really I think I've heard one one good report that actually mentioned and, his defense, but
2: and, and you know what so those those defensive yeah. stats can be really noisy, right? So I'm never gonna sit here and say, look at defensive plus minus Jokic is a stud defender, but it's what we see with the eye test. I mean, he's just, he's been better in open space. He's been communicative. He's been a part of that multiple effort thing that Malone keeps preaching. So look, he's not Joel Embiid on defense, but you watch him and you go, okay, he's, he's not the liability he once was, by the way, I should say, I said his points were up. I meant from his career average, but they are down a little bit. That's neither here nor there.
0: All right. The next award, who is the most improved player of the first quarter? Jeremy?
1: So I, I was hoping to see, um, and, and maybe there's an argument for it. Um, I was hoping to see Jamal Murray, and, and I still hope to. I think uh, his best se- uh, plane is in front of him this season. But who's um, shout-out for me is Wancho is because he's a guy who I felt was literally in the graveyard as far as his opportunity in Denver. Um, I, you, You don't know what Mono can really do to a person. You don't know how that can throw a person off the track. If all he's doing is working on conditioning, what does that mean for his play? Once you're on a court you know, trying to guard NBA athletes and you haven't even really done that for a long time, there's just so much that changed for him and he felt so far away from from doing anything. Um, Here he is starting for the Nuggets and... He's doing a good job of it. He's, he's not the best player in the starting lineup by any means, but he's certainly carrying his weight. Um, he's, he's deadly when opposing teams let him be. And, uh, you know, I, I still think his defense is, um, um, it's got holes in it. And, and I don't think he'll necessarily ever overcome those holes, but he's a positive on a starting lineup on the number one ranked team in the West. So congratulations, Juancho.
0: Wancho's shooting 48% from three over the last six games on almost five attempts. I mean, that's the kind of three points. I think Wancho should shoot
2: more. Honestly, I think he should shoot just about every time he touches the ball. I I I think
0: he's
1: smart. he, every time that I see him shoot, I feel like, yes. And, And for me anyway, every time I see him pass, I go, yes. Like to me, he's a guy who, who maybe more than anybody on the nuggets understands, um, what it is to, to take that a shot. And, and so I've, I personally, I've been very happy with what he's doing and it's great to see. Was that yours too, Brendan?
2: No, I was actually going to go with Malik Beasley. Uh, We've seen his minutes per game double his effective field goal percentage is up like 10 percentage points. Um, He's shooting 40 percent from deep on three point one three point attempts. But look, this isn't Nuggets numbers. I mean, talk about (laughs) what we see with our eyes. He's been a guy who I think the question around him after summer league was. He's such a talented player. He was in high school. He was at Florida State. Okay, can he adapt to his new role in the NBA? Can he be a? Can he be the best version of himself while staying within himself and the confines of his role? Uh, at the answer to this point in the season, it was resounding yes. Um, if you get a guy who can shoot from deep like that, that consistently, and who's who's thinking the game through and making the right plays, it's he's a he's gone from a nice little backup plan for this team to like I think a weapon. And so I've just been impressed with his maturity on and off the court.
0: Yeah, I agree with both of those. Um, I'll throw one more name into the mix. And this is uh, kind of cheating, but I'm going to throw Monte out there. Uh, we didn't see him last year, so it's I, I guess we can't really technically say he's improved over last year, but he wasn't in the NBA. So um, I think I think he qualifies. I'm going to take it anyway. Um, okay. Because I think his – playmaking has been invaluable for the second unit. Um, You know, I've, I've, I'm on record as saying I'd like to see him with the starters a little more too. Um, And we've been seeing that a little bit later in games. Actually he's been on the, on the court, but uh, I think as a, a, another primary playmaking option um, he's invaluable and his league leading seven to one assist turnover ratio um, shouldn't be overlooked.
1: Well, while you're at it, why don't you give us uh, best bench player of the first quarter?
0: I'm going with Mason Plumlee. Mm, love it. Plumley is number one in defensive rating in the NBA right now. Um, which wasn't surprising. I mean, I saw his name on there. I was surprised initially, and then I thought about it. And I'm like, you know, when Plumlee's on is on the court, he sets the tone defensively, and I think He's one of the main reasons I think that the the Nuggets bench has been such a strong unit is he brings energy and he brings great defense. You know, he's a limited offensive player obviously, but they don't need him, um, uh, you know, you know, to be taking threes, what he's doing defensively getting, getting boards and in hustle plays is invaluable. Um, Over the last six games on this winning streak, he's averaging almost two steals and almost two blocks a game in like 17 minutes. I mean, that's crazy defensive production. Brendan.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you said Mason because I wanted to sort of not to cheat, but I, there's two answers, right? It's Monte and Mason. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that Mason is getting shouted out here. He's never going to fill up the box score. And because of the, the circumstances that brought him here and kept him here being that trade, the pick, the extension, you know, he's sort of been evaluated through this unfair prism, right? Like he can only be the basketball player he is in a vacuum. And what we're learning is that's a guy who has starting center, starting caliber center, like qualities, um, but a backup's like mentality and willingness to get in there and do the dirty work. If not for like sixth man of the year, that award is usually like a points per game contest. And if we looked at that award differently, I would be throwing his name in that ring. You know, we're so early into the season, but He's been so good. All of this is to say, I think it's Monte Morris, <laughs> who is, um, who is, I think, been maybe the most steady player on the Snuggets team yeah. all season, uh, with the exception... That last game, he struggled a little bit, but yeah, he's not just leading the league in assist to turnover ratio, he's on on pace to smash that record. So this is the type of player that he is. Uh, the things he's good at are typically lost arts in the modern NBA. And with the way Jamal Murray plays, it's really been important to have him as a backup ball handler. So yeah, I'm all in on Monte. That was my exact answer. It was those two guys.
0: And, and I think I would have gone with Plumlee, um, But All right. This one's going to be interesting, I think. Uh Nuggets have been playing much better defense than I think most of us thought they would play going into the year. They're playing the defense we hoped they would play, um, but I, I think they're playing even better than I than I thought was possible.
2: Man, no one saw this. I'll just say it for you. Absolutely, you. no one saw this. I coming. did. Yeah. Oh,
0: come
1: dig on. Big hot though. take. Yep. You know, uh, top three defense. Save it. I said it in my basement.
0: <laughs> I just I wish I would have recorded it, but I was saying it. <laughs> We'll we'll get to our uh, our best and worst hot takes here in a few minutes. But uh, for now, let's talk about who's been the defensive player of the quarter. Brendan.
2: It's got to be Paul Millsap. Uh, I, know, I know you referenced that Mason Plumlee stat, and I think he's been awesome. You could even say Monte, too, has been very good, but Millsap's. It's really an on and off the court thing, right? I mean, on on the court, you just got to to like spot shadow him off the ball and watch the way he affects the game defensively. The way he sort of has one eye on Nikola and his man, you know, almost like an older brother on the schoolyard looking after his younger brother. Like he always knows where he is and he's always there to help. But off the court, he's been an extension of these things that Malone preaches building healthy habits, right? So getting to the point where becoming a multiple effort team on defense is not a concerted effort, it's habitual. And I think Millsap's been a very big part of instilling that. And I think that's what he means when he references sort of leadership behind the scenes. This is a guy who like Jeremy in his basement said before the season started, <laughs> our goal is to be a top 5 defense and The scrum almost laughed. I mean, you know, we were like, well, that's a great quote, but we'd be lucky if they're league average. They're they're elite right now, and he's a large, large part of that. Horford-esque, in my opinion, in the way he elevates an entire team. Who you got, Jeremy?
1: Yeah. I I was gonna go with Millsap too. And and I'm I'm staring at um my explanation behind it was gonna be more stats-wise. And and already I I, I just want to throw it all away. I'm staring at a page of stats. But none of these stats tell the story that's going on behind it. And and just before, when we were talking about Plumley, we were talking about results. Um, there, there's nothing next to Paul Millsap, ranked 7th here, ranked 4th here, ranked 2nd here. There, there, there's nothing there that actually tells that he is leading the – are they at 3rd ranked overall right now? I don't, it kind of changes a little bit every week, but um, – there's nothing that tells that story. And, and I, I have a stats argument for it. And I think Plumley is, has been fantastic. Um, I think you take a step up and the minutes that Paul Millsap is playing, opposed to the minutes that Plumley's playing, um, just goes to show the extra notch on the belt that, um, Millsap deserves. But that story that, that Brendan summed up, I, you really got to my heart. I, ugh. I'm a little choked up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This might be surprising to both of you, but I'm going with Jokic. Uh, I agree with both of you that Millsap is the best defensive player, probably on the team. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, So I'm giving this award, not because Jokic is a better defender or has been a better defender over the first quarter, but because he's been a pretty good defender over the first quarter and to me, I, I said this a minute ago, I think that has been so important for the tone uh, that this team has. If he was playing no defense still and was totally not committed to it at all, which we see from offensive savants a lot, right? Mm-hmm. When guys have a, a really strong offensive skill set, it is not uncommon to see them not play defense. Um, or even guys that don't have that great of an offensive skill set like Andrew Wiggins and who still proclaim that they won't play defense. So the fact that Jokic is is bought in and is doing the the best that he can with the tools that he has. I I mean, I really believe that Um, he's never going to be an elite defender, a a Rudy Gobert or something. Um, But being the best Jokic on defense that he can be, I I think helps the other players on the team to rise to the, to being the best defenders that they can be. And that's really all these guys can do is just, just, just play hard. I mean, defense is, you know, 80% effort. It's, it's how much work are you willing to put in? And and does that also mean sometimes sacrificing something on the offensive end? I think I think maybe some of Jokic's shooting issues have been related to the effort that he's putting in on on right. defense, and there might be some conditioning things and stuff that he needs to work through too, um, so that it doesn't have to be one or the other. But uh, I, I give him a lot of credit for the the defense we're seeing right now. I don't I don't think we see um, the defensive numbers that they have right now if Jokic wasn't bought in.
1: I agree. So. Uh let's move on to a uh, somewhat similar question, but beautiful in its slight deviations. The next award, most important replacement player. Unfortunately, because we've already had too many injuries a quarter of the way through the season. But uh, Nick, uh, no, I went with you last time. Brennan, what do you think for the most important replacement player?
2: Well, it's got to be Wancho, right? I mean, I think yes. the way he's filled in for Barton – we know about the sort of question marks about Wancho defensively, but he is the perfect sort of uh, complementary piece to Jokic. The way he shoots, spaces the floor, the way he relocates off the ball, make keeps himself as a threat throughout the possession. Invaluable when you have a playmaker like Jokic on the floor, especially at sort of like you know, like in the front court together. It just it, it allows the Nuggets to do a lot more offensively. And the truth is, if he's not playing well we're talking every day about that Will Barton injury and what it's done to this season. So, uh, I mean, shouts to Wancho for filling in for what I think is one of the most underrated pieces um, of this Nuggets team in Will Barton. He's done a great job.
1: I didn't think about that. Thinking about what could have been, which, which is us in the position of when is Barton back? When is Barton back? When is Barton back? Um, I mean, it's come up a few times just out of pure speculation of the ceiling of this team. But we've never really needed it out of necessity. Um, you know the, the bit there where Craig didn't quite fit in to to continue the flow of what this team was used to when they conduct their offense. But um, yeah, I mean I'm right there with you. Uh, Wancho was mine too, so I'm just gonna um, agree with everything you said. What about you, Nick?
0: Yeah, it's three for three. Um, his his floor spacing, I think. I think it's two things for me. The floor spacing is huge, obviously. And that's something that was the reason Tory Craig wasn't working out, I think, um, and was was really uh, making things difficult in the lane. The second point is that he has had a lot of big hustle plays uh, in the fourth quarters, especially. Uh, we think back to the block against Golden State that he had early in the season before he was even starting but just in the last in this stretch this last six games i feel like every fourth quarter he's doing something that's that's helping to win them a game it's a it's a big rebound in the end it's uh a, you know a good defensive stop it's hustle play whatever i just i love his energy i love how he spaces the floor and i think they definitely found their replacement for barton i mean i i actually think it's going to be a little bit difficult when barton comes back to take him off the court i think they will cuz barton got um the contract but um I think Wancho's playing well enough that there's no obligation
2: to do that. I'll I'll disagree there. Uh I just Will Barton is is such a good player. He can serve as sort of the alternate uh ball handler with the starting lineup when maybe we're not thrilled with the job Murray's doing or whatever, whatever the case may be. We're not uh, Barton's a very under, underrated um uh spot up shooter. From uh, from deep for sure. And I just think like, you can just, what you do is you slide Wancho down to the bench, right? And, and you get him some minutes with the starters. Um, but Will Barton's just too good. I think one of the most underrated players in the league to, if he's healthy and he's ready to go, you plug him back in. Um, just the luxury is knowing that if he's not, and you have to sort of wade him back into this, you feel comfortable with Wancho. So it's a, it's a, I suppose a good problem to have all things considered.
0: Yeah. I, I, I want to hold withhold any judgments about Barton until we see him play this year. Uh, He uh, to be honest with you, Brennan, not one of my favorite players on this team never has been. I couldn't stand him last year. He was probably my least favorite nugget last year. And I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I've heard the arguments for him um, and this could be totally like just gut uh reactions from me like hot take reactions watching games where he we where he blew it in the fourth quarter specifically last april he had three or four games in a row where he had big turnovers or things at the end of the quarter the end of the fourth quarter but um but i i he, barton with the starters is a different player and um that was their best lineup last year but we just didn't get to see it very much so i want to see how it how it goes this year i'm not necessarily saying when he um comes back, it's going to be a tough decision or something. I think he'll get slotted in to the starting lineup, but, um, but at least I'm glad that Wancho played well enough that, uh, y- y- you know, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a tough pill to swallow potentially. Um, or at least maybe another way, a better way to put it is that he's going to be a boost to the bench, a bench that's already playing really well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I get that, but I just think uh, like the numbers on Barton playing with the starters are um, are just so so enticing, like so good, and, and I, I don't want to like I'm not going to argue with you on your own podcast too much. Do, I just, <laughs> do it, do please. Uh, <clears throat>
1: It'll get us
2: more the listeners. Types of players, the types of players that are able to sort of clear the statistical lines that Barton did last season. Um, there's 14 of them in the league that put up like 15, five and four, like 10 of them are superstars. Then it's like Chris Middleton and Barton, his assist to turnover ratio was actually second best on the team last year. And I think he had to play like three different positions and fill three different roles, uh, at different times in the year. And I think when he can be sort of a complimentary piece and, and a cherry on top, instead of just like this, this like Swiss army knife that we used to solve all of our problems, um, I I think you'll realize that okay, Barton's capable of so much. We're not asking him to do too much, and he's just going to be a great addition to the starting lineup. Um, but but you're right about one thing: Wancho can't just disappear. They have to find minutes for him. They will find minutes for him. But hopefully, some of them are alongside Jokic because I just love the way the two of them look together.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. And yeah, and uh, uh, to be fair, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not dug in on my on my Barton hate. I I'll tell you what. Yeah, let me
1: butt in here. I, I, our third head lad, I often have to speak for him. I'm going to do the same thing here. I, Nick, I I know it's the mentality that Barton brings that that you disagree with most, and that mentality. Yeah, of I don't the, like
0: guys chucking up threes from half court. He's a with, shooter without a single pass on the offensive right. side. Right. Yeah. If
1: if this guy's in the wild wild west, we know his reputation is. He'll walk into any saloon and he'll and he'll shoot it up first, regardless of of the posse behind him. It, and, and that's, that's what he did. My argument to that is that be, playing with the bench unit as much as he did, he kind of had to be that man. But, um, I understand that that's what you see. That's how you perceive his mentality and that fitting in with a unit of, uh, several players who are more talented than he is, is a, um, uh, recipe for disaster. Um, I, I think. Just from, again, those brief minutes, statistics aside, I do remember some of the lineups where he was in with those guys. And he does tend to, in my eyes, yield to Jokic, yield to how the play is going. Um, as much as I want to be a believer in the Barton story, I, I never in my life want to see him take a last second three if he's with the starters. Um, the argument is, 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 is it Harris or is it Murray or is it Jokic? Those are three guys. Not right who, now. Oh, it's not Jokic. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a whole yeah.
2: other conversation. But but here's right. the thing, man. Bart- Barton was putting up those types of shots. Be- there were a couple of plays where he could have made a different decision in the moment, no doubt. But he also hit a game winner against Chicago. He also hit the game tying shot to put them into OT against the Thunder on the road. And some of those shots he's putting up because that was a young team whose best player really sort of disappears in the final two minutes. And so you're going, okay, is it the 20-year-old Jamal Murray? Is it Gary Harris who was supposed to have a low ceiling? Or all these guys seem tentative when it comes down to like that, that type of moment. And Barton was just willing to be the guy who would put the shot up. I think a lot of the sort of selfishness that is, is ascribed to his play style is really overblown. Um, and and people, it's funny people always talk about how he doesn't like to pass. Like he was the second best passer on the team last year, and I, I just think that's out. That's really almost an objective statement. So I will. I'm as big a Barton defender as there is, Sweet. and I will die <laughs> on this hill. Uh, do that. So. But I, yeah, I just think he's like a. I think he's like one of the most <laughs> underrated players in the as league. As long as, and I, it's it's yeah, it's just funny to me that Nuggets fans like grew so frustrated with him. But I do think it's, it's an anecdotal thing that has sort of like warped our psychology when we evaluate him.
0: I, I see a lot of of big stats in the second and third quarter and a lot of disappearing in the fourth quarter with really bad shots in the last three minutes. That's what I saw last year. That was my impression. I wasn't doing a podcast last year. I wasn't researching this stuff. So that may have been um, just that. It, it may have just been anecdotal. I may have just been latching onto a few bad games and not paying attention as closely as um as I could have but that's what that's why I'm not totally dug in on this on this stance either this is just a general take that I had over the years uh watching Barton play and I'm really curious to see what he does with the starters because I know that last year with the starters that was their best lineup and they looked good the first couple of games with him so um I, I hope it works when he comes back I mean I'm not I'm certainly not rooting against him i I'm happy to be wrong. I would,
2: I love, I, I be don't wrong. mean to, I, so I don't mean to frame you as the hater here either. I just, I will always be the guy who, who, who well actually is the Barton stuff. I just can't help. He myself. owns up to it. No, it's cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, in, in case anybody was wondering, the question was uh, most important replacement player. <laughs> and the answer was Barton sucks. So, uh, <laughs>
2: For some reason, a
1: basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog.
0: A quarter way in and the Nuggets are the one seed. Three more of that, please. right, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk uh about some more sort of team awards what's the best win so far this season jeremy all right well it's the freshest in our minds
1: to to me it's it's the toronto win i loved it because um there's there's a ceiling that every nuggets fan envisions when it comes to whether you want to make it about Jokic or Murray or the team in general. uh Is this a championship team three years from now? Is this a championship team maybe even this year? They're number one in the West right now. And this game, more than any game maybe that I've ever seen um in a Jokic-era game, uh was to me a playoff game. A true legitimate, you're fighting for a championship every second of every minute counts kind of a game so a lot of times one there's a story to a game where where one thing wins it in this game it changed there was so much dynamics to this game where the bench was great in the first half bad in the second half uh was were the nuggets going to fall apart in the last minutes like we've seen them do before we saw them play fast and loose with Jokic ball and crazy passes and then we saw them tighten things down. That was what was so important to me. In those last few minutes, when it comes down to these grueling, um, plays, uh, they pro- they proved to hang with any momentum that the game shifted. And that's how playoff basketball happens. It's not a one game thing where there's one story where one good thing happened, a Jamal Murray 48 point game. It was every possible tool in the shed was used by both of these rosters and the Nuggets still beat the number one um, record team in the NBA. So so this is the best win to me by
2: far. I'm going to, for the sake of parody, I'm going to <laughs> go with the win in in OKC. Uh, I loved, it was the second game of a back-to-back. It was on the road. They traveled the night before. There was no Gary Harris. The Thunder had or, had been, you know, on the up. They've been playing much better. And Denver just went in there, and, and I thought handled them from start to finish. And... The way Torrey Craig played, uh, shutting down Russell Westbrook on the defensive end, but more importantly, the way the offense sort of adapted around having to have Craig out there, having to have that floor shrunk. Um, I thought Jokic adapted well as opposed to some of those losses earlier in the year. So just all the circumstances surrounding that win made it highly improbable and it pushed, you know, another division win. It just to me, Outside of the Toronto game, there's no other win that's even close, Um, even including Golden State and Boston. I just think it's the Thunder and the Toronto game are the one where I look back and go, "Okay, man, if this team is for real, this is when we learned that.
0: Nothing makes me happier than watching Russell Westbrook go one for 12 from three, which it's awesome, actually (laughs) happens quite often. But man, I love that. Um, (laughs) So I have like a special place in my heart for the Thunder game. I think the Raptors game was the biggest win of the season. Um, Raptors were on an eight game winning streak going into that game. Uh, they're tough at home. They sell out every game. They've been the best team in in the NBA so far this year. They were the best team going into that night. Um, and the Nuggets knocked them off. So totally with you guys. I I don't have a, a whole lot to add there, but fantastic win and a great road trip over the last six games just to throw out a couple of numbers about what they're doing on the road during the six game winning winning streak. Uh, they've had four road games. They're shooting 40% from three on the road. Uh, they have about the same effective field goal percentage on the road during this streak as they have at home. Um, their defensive rating is 17 points higher on the road right now than it is at home. And they're averaging about a steal uh, more on the road. So I mean the, you know that's that's what you need to know to understand why this team is winning uh, these tight games these close games on the road their defense is been has been tremendous on the road and and they've been able to keep their shooting up which is which is tough when you're out on a, a road trip or you're playing these you know tough teams at home and the thunder the number 1 defense in the league toronto has a really good defense i mean these weren't uh, these weren't teams that that give up easy baskets and the, the nuggets have been able to score efficiently and Play top five defense. It's been weird. We've never seen this before from a Nuggets team.
1: All right, Brandon. Worst loss so far this season.
2: Okay, I'm going to go with... This one is not so much about the result and the opponent so much as like what it represented in terms of the nadir, maybe, uh, for the Nuggets 1-6 little slide. I'm going to go with the loss in Memphis when Jokic mm. intentionally did not shoot until he chucked up the <laughs> final shot of the game. Um, anytime your superstar decides he doesn't want to shoot for whatever reason, (laughs) that's not dope. And, uh, I think it was just sort of, we saw the best of the nuggets in that nine and one stretch and we saw their ceiling and then we saw their absolute floor. And, um, I think sort of all of those factors were in play. Yes. The Grizzlies are actually a really good team and to win in Memphis on the road is tough, but this was when Jokic was dealing with that, that sort of media reaction to his no homo comment. Um, for which he was rightfully fined. And it was again like I think the nadir of the sort of this team, like the uh, we, we talked so much about their continuity and their chemistry. This was the opposite of that. So to me, this is when I was like, oh man, I'm a little worried. Um and, and it's it ha- happily it seems so very long ago now that we're in this win streak again.
0: Yeah, that's a a really good choice. I'm gonna go with the Brooklyn loss. Um that was a loss that was part of the one and six losing streak. And to me, that, that one really stung because that's a team you need to, you need to beat. Uh, it was in Denver. Brooklyn's better than people thought they would be this year. I think uh, they've been competitive, but that's a team you need to beat. And it really exacerbated that losing streak. I mean, they win that one, you know, now it's two and five as a losing streak. And there's a couple wins sprinkled in to those five losses. It um, doesn't feel nearly as painful. I don't think, as the 1-6 streak that they had. So, uh, you know, in hindsight, they pulled out of it. Things are fine. But that that loss was tough.
1: Yeah, I count the Brooklyn one for me too. But uh, I also want to mention that I also have used the word nadir before, (laughs) a.k.a. the opposite of a zenith. But only ever in writing... Or once at a Neil Stevenson QA in which uh he wrote me a new one. <laughs>
0: Thanks for wait, sharing, Jerry. W- which time? The first <laughs> He's time. He's lit into you twice, hasn't he? <laughs> you didn't, you
1: don't open up that wound, Nick.
0: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> or we could talk about uh your encounter with Mars Volta too. They they enjoyed your company.
1: Yeah, well. But
2: <laughs> wait, that's a that's an awesome and niche story. You pissed <laughs> off Mars Volta? That's really cool. <laughs>
1: That's for another time. Um I we'll see you next time I'm in Denver, I'm sure, and and we'll talk about it on something that's not recorded.
2: <laughs> oh man. I guess I guess I can't wait. Good <laughs> I lord, <guess> you can't <laughs> wait. All right.
0: Jeremy, what's the best defensive play you saw this year so far? Also
1: fresh in my mind is the Toronto game. Um so so much to me has been the fourth quarter this season. I, I've loved watching what we've become on so many levels, but that fourth quarter and those last few minutes have been that last hill that's been so hard for us to climb. Um Here we are with two and a half minutes left. We're one point up, again, on what everybody's calling the best team in the NBA right now. And we held them to... A 23-second possession with two and a half minutes left and with them one point behind. A 23-second possession, which we never saw last season. There's actually been a few of those this season, which I've been really proud of. But here in this game, to happen two and a half minutes left. And this goes back to what Brendan mentioned about Jokic um, on defense. He covered three different areas of the floor. He went from the top of the key to the side of the key all the way out to the other side's three-point line. And every every player on the Nuggets made the wildest rotation you've ever seen before just to contest a shot. And it held this team of Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, uh, Chris Middleton, some of the most lethal shooters in the NBA, to not be able to get a shot off the way they wanted to. And sure enough, it actually ended in a steal by Jokic. So it was a thing of beauty to me i loved it
0: yeah what stands out to you brandon
2: um how about wanchos block on damian jones oh. in the warriors game i think it's just oh. first of all that was the uh wanchos back moment right yeah. and i think ever the fans seem to love wancho that's <laughs> even even long before we knew he was this good of a player he was a fan favorite and yeah that was just like a Man, if this team always plays the Warriors well, uh, this team always plays the Warriors well. That's a, a mouthful um, <laughs> for them. But to see them sort of win in the, in that fashion, and to see Wancho be the guy, that was when I really started to think like, "Ooh, man, we might be cooking with something different this season." Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels different in here.
0: Yeah, Wancho, Wancho, Gacho gotcha Wancho in that game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had the same thing. That block against Golden State was. Um, the single defining play that stands out to me, and I think the fact that they won the game against Golden State with defense was something that helped to set the tone for the season. Um, one other shout out to Gary Harris for his steal at the end of the Portland game too. Um, I, don't know, I think it was yeah. like two minutes left or something. I think that was a, a really important play in that game. Uh, Portland had all the momentum.
2: I so I don't remember who Mason Plumlee blocked in OKC. It might have been Jerry and Grant. He Mm -hmm. blocked the living hell out of someone. (laughs) I remember that. I I do remember. Throw throw that one in the ring. It was like a video game block,
0: NBA Jam block. Yeah,
2: yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I was ready to
0: run through a wall, man. Yep. All right, while we're talking about most ridiculous plays of the season, what's been the most ridiculous Jokic play this season so far, Jeremy? Uh,
1: that is a hard one. Actually, it's not a hard one at all. So this one didn't count. That's why I thought maybe this is hard. But, <laughs> wow, I guess maybe I only watched one game this season because all my answers are the Toronto game. But <laughs> that shot that he made, like not looking at the hoop from the three-point line with both hands just chucking it up while being fouled, i that to me is the craziest shot that I have ever witnessed in my entire life. Like NBA, like watching Jordan and Pippen growing up, that to me is is the craziest shot. I hate that it didn't count. Um you saw how how all the players erupted around him. Murray went crazy yeah. and ran over and hugged him. Again, this is for a shot that didn't count. That's how crazy it was. Um I I love Jokic's passes and and they will make him a legend till the end of time. But that shot is you know out of the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of shots that I've seen in my life. That is the craziest one that I've ever seen just make it.
2: Yeah, what do you got, Brennan? Um, All right, it's also from the Toronto game, so recency bias. Yeah. There is this little uh, pocket pass from Millsap on a give-and-go in the third quarter, Mm. and Jokic sort of caught it below his hip with his right hand, and he brought it up in one motion. Yeah, like a water polo Uh shot. And it was just like... It all happened so fluidly that it bought him just enough time that Valchunas couldn't get over and help. And it's just like little things like that. These little deft sort of like, you know, like little tricks that allow this dude who is less less athletic than any three of us and to like just absolutely cook NBA athletes. Um, And it's just like, I don't know. There are very few NBA players who have played the game the way he does. There might be none. Unique gets tossed around a little too much, but that play to me is just—I'm used to the passes. That's the one where you go, like, "What is this dude? Like, what are we watching?"
0: Yeah, I went with one with one of those ridiculous passes, which is the fake shot pass against Atlanta.
2: Oh yeah. Where, um, oh, that's a good. That's a better one. Oh, that's a good. One.
0: It was incredible. If I, you haven't seen that, folks, go check it out on the Digs Twitter.
1: I would give it that, but I've done that a couple of times,
2: so for oh, other. It's. I think you just missed a shot. Have you ever held a basketball before no. in your life? No. Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, it's uh-huh. not a missed shot. You you start thinking that you're shooting. Actually, I would love to interview him because cause, cause I'm not joking. I have made that before, not on an NBA stand or stage, whatever you want to call it these days. But
0: here's my answer. It was a pass up yours, Jeremy. <laughs> All right. Your answer sucked. Just for the record. <laughs> All right, best Mike Malone quote of the season. What do you got, Brennan?
2: <laughs> there's only one answer. Yes, there but is. We made t the, shirts. There's actually only. Take I that put this
0: question L. in literally only because
2: I wanted to get this quote in. No, that's fine. Yep. Take that all on the way out. Yep. All of you bandwagon visiting fans, welcome to the Pepsi Center. Now get out. <laughs> I think you I'm actually not,
1: said it a little bit better than he did. Yeah. Thank you. I'm.
2: <laughs> i'm
1: i'm still fired up about it
0: i'm not even gonna ask you what your answer is jeremy there is no other answer we're moving on oh Uh, go ahead jeremy well i was gonna
1: i was gonna take it so so i didn't talk to you about this nick but um this next question is the worst hot take from the dig podcasters but um i i i know it's just nice to kind of express yourself so i open it up to brendan uh for his own Mm -hmm. so uh yeah, why, why don't you start first, Brendan? A little humility here. What is the worst hot take uh, from you this season?
2: Oh man, that's a good one. Um, at some point in the one in six slide, I turned to a media member and said, "It was mostly tongue in cheek, but I said maybe the Nuggets do need a new coach."
1: <laughs>
2: um, and, oh, uh, say it to his face, Brendan. Say it to his face. I didn't. I didn't even mean it but i still said it out loud and like i'm right now i'm working on a piece about why he's a candidate for coach of the year so happy to be wrong happy to be wrong Politics justice uh,
1: nick
0: yep um well the worst hot take from this podcast was lads the nuggets aren't gonna make the playoffs predictions Absolutely. last time what a moron and he's gonna be buying the radizio <laughs> yeah, now I so I pre- <laughs> yeah um i appreciate that lad um wherever you are at uh casa Bonita or wherever you are right now
1: i really um, respect your your ability to to find a situation where you can apply leverage for your own selfish gain to that degree enjoy you know, rodizios i think we should live tweet it and everything because that was the worst situation that you made the most of kudos
0: yeah no we definitely will this podcast is all about humiliating lad as much as possible so we'll definitely make sure we take advantage all right of that opportunity um I did predict something early in the season that got cut from the podcast, but I'm going to own up to it anyways. I predicted the Thunder would miss the playoffs. Um, Mm. That was a pretty spicy take and it was probably dead wrong. So I own up to that. I hate Russell Westbrook. And that was a big reason that I made such a ridiculous prediction. They're not going to miss the playoffs. I was wrong. What about you, Jeremy? So my worst take was also lad. Calling the Nuggets not making the playoffs, but
1: since you brought in some hum- humble pie there, um, I can't
0: think of any. But can you think of any bad hot takes that I've had? See, the problem is you don't really make hot takes; you really hedge your bets, which in life is a good idea, but you know, in oh podcasting, it's not quite as much goodness.
1: fun. No, I, I've made plenty of hot takes. I think right now my my worst one is. Jamal Murray being the most improved player of the season for the Nuggets, which I still feel pretty confident in. So
0: Wait a second. Oh, you mean by the end of the season he'll be the most improved right, player? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so he's going to have to learn how to pass sometime between now and no, the end of the I, season.
1: It, yeah. No, I, I've been blessed <laughs> with a, a terrible memory. Uh, it, it left me some time in my teens, and uh, I've never been able to find it again. So I actually I, I – I'm going to have to go back and look now. Maybe we can make like a, uh, a a little cut out some room in the next podcast where I admit to a bad take here because I, I don't <laughs> even remember mine at all.
0: Brandon, is there anything you want to call us out for? Any bad takes you've heard?
2: No, just the Will Barton stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's yeah. go back <laughs> to that. <laughs> Right. Hey, <laughs> I want to clarify, by the way, for for my boss Adam, for PR, for Michael himself, if he's listening, I don't think the Nuggets need a new coach. I think you're doing a great job. I was upset about a loss. All right. All right. What <laughs> was the- off my chest? <laughs> All right. What was
0: the best hot take from any of our podcasts thus far this season? Go for it, Jeremy.
1: None of them nobody should be listening (laughs) to anything that we say about anything the entire point of this is to get three knuckleheads together and to say random nonsense such as the nuggets won't make the playoffs which was the only solid answer that i had for anything that we have to say is that that is the worst take you could ever hear
0: brennan do you have anything you want to tout
2: Oh, yeah, I I was I was on the are we sure the jazz are good bandwagon before the season started. I'm wrong more often than I'm right, but I'll take a victory lap on this one.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I actually had the jazz second in the West. Yeah. I think on my list um I thought the Rockets weren't going to be quite as good this year but I didn't have them out of the playoffs I mean and they probably
2: won't be but uh I didn't I called the Rockets the second best team in the we- in the West a week ago so maybe I that's my worst <laughs> <not> take. <laughs> Who knows.
1: Yeah, I am still Love including them in to my
2: top 4. All right. Yeah, they're hard to evaluate, man.
0: I'll take a victory lap on this one. Um I predicted Jokic would average, average over 7 assists for the year, uh, which is Pretty bold, actually. Um, he would be... Is it though? Well, <laughs> okay, here's the deal. You're talking to Nuggets fans, Nick. I know. But um, to the rest of the NBA and, and people that live on planet all Earth, right. um, it would be the first time since 1967 that a center averaged that many assists a game. Um, if you think about like some of the guys that get talked about all the time as like being the, the greatest passing centers, um, Chris Webber, um Divac, Divac, uh, Kevin Garnett, They were all in like the four and a half to six range or five and a half to six range in their best season. So Jokic being over seven this year would be staggering and he's at seven and a half right now. So he's on pace. Okay.
1: Actually, let me um, throw in, let me throw in. Um, it was random and it doesn't really apply, but uh, to me, the magic looked like a team that was turning the corner and uh, I had, i I don't know how well I express this, but that um that they would be fine for a playoff spot near the end i i'm still I still don't think well, I didn't think that they would make the playoffs uh but but uh, that's a random kind of hot take that's a team that everybody had down, and I just thought that they were mediocre rather than bad.
0: You and Ladd laughed at me on this podcast when I said Sacramento was going to be competitive. they're You're eleven right. and eleven right You're now, right so yeah well we've had a few we've had a few hits
1: (laughs) just don't believe anything is what i'm telling people (laughs) don't actually really believe anything
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right that's all we got all right well brendan blast. thank you yeah it was a lot of fun oh for sure man thanks for having me on guys i'm down to be a part of this podcast it was fun
0: great thank you very much man we'll have you on again if, if you're willing sounds good man that's it for us thank you for listening to the dig you can check us out on twitter at the dig denver you can also hit up jeremy on twitter at jeremy foley we'll talk to you again in two weeks after another win over the raptors
1: uh 13 and 0 winning streak at that point sounds
0: good